0: when you're smiling hey you bubbly sparkling water is crisp refreshing and perfect for any occasion kind of like my voice but in a can no calories no sweeteners all smiles bubbly crack a smile so movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about John Wick chapters 4 and 5 being filmed back-to-back. Back. Then after that, I'm going to be doing what I like to call Movie Lovers Rewind. If you do not know what Movie Lovers Rewind is, it's actually the feeling old segment of this podcast and of the movie page that I run. And basically what it is is, is I'm going to be talking about the movies that are turning 10 and 20 years old today, and which movies actually stood out to me whenever I went and saw the movies that are turning 10 and 20 years old. Then, Brooker from Film on the Rocks, a matter of fact, he ended up answering my tweet whenever I asked someone to actually give me some topics to talk about and things like that, so he actually asked me to do my top five sequels to a movie. And a matter of fact, I want to also mention this too, Brooker was actually on the show with me and... We actually did a crawl review. If you haven't checked out the crawl review or anything like that, I strongly recommend that you guys check that out on this podcast. It was a great episode. We had a lot of fun. We did some drinking games, rules, and stuff like that. It was a blast. As a matter of fact, check out Film on the Rocks. They actually do a fantastic job of reviewing movies and stuff like that. So, with further ado, let's go on ahead and talk about John Wick Chapter 4 and 5 getting the treatment of being filmed back, back to back. Now, I remember back when... Uh, The Matrix movies came out. They were actually filming back-to-back. Lord of the Rings, back in the day, they were filming back-to-back. So I'm actually happy that they're actually doing these two movies back-to-back. I thought that maybe, you know, Chapter 4 would be it. Because I always thought that the John Wick trilogy would actually end at 3. But I'm happy that they're actually still going because of the fact that it has actually made a lot of money at the box office. Keanu Reeves is at his best when he's playing John Wick. I love John Wick as a character. And it seems like to me. I'm not getting fatigued of this franchise or anything as of yet. Or anything like that. Give me more John Wick. I love John Wick as a character. I love, what he, I love the whole entire fact that you have a hitman. Coming out of retirement because his dog dies. And now he's back in action again. And then a couple of other stuff that actually happens in the other two films. But you know. This is actually a pretty good franchise. It actually knows what it is. It knows that there's some cheesiness to it. There's actually some flavor to it. And all only that. But there's also some dark humor as well with this franchise. But there's also this whole entire mystery element with the hotel in itself as well. So if they actually give us a little bit more of background of the hotel in the fourth and fifth film, that would be great if they did that. But, you know, as a John Wick fan, I'm excited to actually hear that they're actually doing this back-to-back. Matter of fact, whenever I read the news that they were actually doing this, I actually pulled up the article, and the article reads as this and you know I think that this is a smart idea if they're going to try and capitalize on this and everything and the whole fact is you can't go wrong with Keanu Reeves playing John Wick and that is the fact that this is what the uh, director and also the writer actually had to say about this we're also busy preparing scripts for the next two installments of our John Wick action franchise with John Wick 4, slated to hit theaters Memorial Day weekend 2022, furthermore said in in the call, we hope to shoot both John Wick and 4, uh, four and 5 back-to-back when Kano becomes available early next year. So that leads me to believe that once this whole entire thing with The Matrix is over with and everything, he's actually going to be filming... Uh, back-to-back with John Wick, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I think that's actually a smart idea to go ahead and do these films back-to-back like that because of the fact that you have a great actor like Keanu Reeves. He's actually been being able to actually do these action scenes and these sequences and everything else that John Wick does, and there's a lot of storytelling that's actually involved with these movies. And also, too, Keanu Reeves is not a young guy anymore, so considering the fact that they're actually doing john wick like this with chapters four and five i'm i'm perfectly fine with them doing it back to back like that because i'm i'm excited i'm a huge john wick fan like i mentioned before and also too i want to say this i thought they would like i said i would thought that they would have ended it after once the third film was over with and stuff like that but no they just kept on going and we just were so invested into what they were going to do next with john wick and that's one of the key things, too, is, like, how far are they going to take John Wick's character? Is there anything else that they can possibly do to John Wick as, at this point in time? Or is he going to wind up dying in the fifth film? We just don't know yet or anything. But, you know, I thought that the third in the third film he would die and he would be reunited with his wife again. And that would be the end of the John Wick uh, trilogy. And at that time, you know, I was okay with the fact that they would This is at the point where I was actually speculating because I felt like, you know, three movies is good enough for me. I don't need to see any more. Then all of a sudden, the stuff that actually happens in the third film made me want to go on ahead and be on the John Wick train again for chapter four and five. So, you know, there's always that. So now I'm going to be talking about Movie Lovers Rewind. And let me just tell you this. The movies that came out during this year, not this year, but back in 2010, was The Other Guys, Expendables, and there's also another film that actually came out too that I don't remember actually seeing any previews for or anything like that, and that movie is none other than The Man From Nowhere, and here's the thing. I don't ever remember seeing a trailer for that movie or anything like that. I don't even remember hearing anything about that film. But anyways, that film is now 10 years old. But the movies that actually stand out to me for that list is, of course, The Expendables with Sylvester Stallone, uh, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a little bit part in it. You also have Jason Statham in it. You have a bunch of all these old, older action guys in this movie and, you know, I really was excited to see this film. And matter of fact, Mickey Rourke was actually on top of his game at that time because he just got done almost. Well, he actually did get nominated for an Academy Award for The Wrestler. And that also was a way for him to actually make a comeback with The Wrestler. And so they wound up putting Mickey Rourke in this film. And I thought he did a good job at playing the tattoo artist and things like that. But he didn't really add anything to this film at all. He was just there for as the tattoo guy. But, you know, I really love the cheesiness of this. This is about reuniting the old 80s and also to old 80s action stars and also to some of the uh, younger generation for Jason Statham for the early 2000s of action action uh, actors. So that's what I thought about that as soon as I first heard about The Expendables. And not only that, but Bruce Willis also playing church, trying to get this group together together and try and bring down some terrorists and stuff like that i thought of, the plot line was actually pretty decent for that film and also too you actually have to ex- expect some um, stuff that's actually going to be cheesy and i uh, and also too you have to expect that you know this film is not going to get academy award nominations sorry people if you actually thought this film was actually going to be serious but there is a lot of blood splatter there's also a lot of times where you know, you know that there's going to be one-liners jokes here and there. There's going to be references to other movies that they were actually in and stuff like that. But it actually worked well with the very first Expendables movie. And I had a good time seeing the very first one in theaters. So there's that. And then there's the other guys with Will Ferrell and also Mark Wahlberg. And I thought the chemistry was really good with Mark Wahlberg and also Will Ferrell. At the time when I saw this film, I don't know if it was the audience that made me not like the film at first, and or anything like that. But once this movie was actually released on the um, on DirecTV and everything, I winded up having a blast watching this film. I was laughing my ass off at Michael Keaton with the whole entire thing with the TLC songs. I'm, I'm a bird captain. I need, I'm need i a peacock captain. I need to fly. The whole entire chemistry between Mark Wahlberg and, and him was really good, between Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. And also, too, this is also when Samuel Jackson and The Rock winds up jumping off the building for some godly reason. And now it's up to Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell to try and take their place as cops, and every, and they're also partners, and stuff just goes awry. Will Ferrell is just doing his Will Ferrell thing and things like that. I really have to say, the chemistry between Mark Wahlberg and him were really good for this film. Of course, we also saw that a little bit in Daddy's Home, but I prefer the other guys over Daddy's Home because I had more laps with this one, and I have to say... Another part that I liked about it was the fact where Mark Wahlberg goes into this studio where his ex-girlfriend or ex-wife is actually dancing. And it's not like an exotic uh, strip club or anything like that. It's just d- ballerina. She's a ballerina dancer and everything, just teaching tumbling to kids. And he goes, I don't like you shaking your ass too up in here. I don't like that. You don't need to be doing that. You don't need to dance for dollars. It's just one of those big ridiculous things that Mike Wahlberg says and does and everything. And it just makes you laugh. Oh, wow. This is just a very good comedy. The humor actually works out pretty well. If you haven't seen this film, this is a really good film. Not only that, but this is also the return of Michael Keaton as well. Because I was glad to actually see that he was playing the police captain in this film. And also good to see Michael Keaton back again after so many years of being away from the big screen. So, I was really happy to actually see Michael Keaton all over again playing in a movie on the big screen. So, those, that's actually the movie that actually stands out for me as far as the movies that are turning 10 years old. Hollow Man it just turned 20 as well, uh, turned 20, and that's a crazy thing. I just remember renting it from uh, Blockbusters, and of course, I also saw... The trailers to it. It just didn't appeal to me, so I went on ahead, rented it out of B- Blockbusters. I ended up liking this film a lot. I just don't remember a lot about it. I just remember enjoying it, and I remember the experiment actually goes wrong with Uh, Kevin Bacon and makes him more aggressive and makes him do things that he doesn't normally do because of the drugs that he actually took to make him become invisible but other than that I might actually have to do a revisit so that way I can actually do a review on this this might actually be a good one to actually do a review on because it's also underrated as a film especially a horror science fiction film so if you haven't seen Hollow Man or anything like that I strongly recommend that you guys check that out it's a very good movie it's underrated underappreciated you guys need to go ahead and check that film out. Like I said, I don't remember certain scenes in this film or anything like that. I just remember enjoying the film for what it is. So go ahead and check that out. So now I'm going to get into the movies, that my top 10 favorite movies that are actually sequels. Number one is going to be Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And... I love Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted is probably one of my favorite franchises out there right now. And as a matter of fact, I'm actually excited for the third Bill and Ted movie when Face the Music comes out. I'm going to be there in the movie theaters. I don't care. I'll have my Corona mask on and everything. And I'll be ready to go. But what Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is about is it's about Bill and Ted trying to find themselves in, with music and try and find themselves as who they are as, a, as people. And also, too, the music actually represents who we are, just like in the very first Bill and Ted movie. Also, too, they're still passionate about music and everything. They still have the babes that they rescued from Bill and Ted's um, excellent adventure. I really like that. They actually kept them in there, and it wasn't just a separate thing that wasn't connected in with the first film. But I'm glad they actually connected it in. You also have uh, Bill's—well, actually, you have Ted's father— who is wanting to send Ted off to military school. Then you also have Bill, whose mother is actually going to try and get married to Ted's father and everything. So that's actually pretty funny because now they're actually going to be brothers instead of being just two good friends that are like brothers. But still, I thought the chemistry between Keanu Reeves and also the actor that played Bill was really good. It seemed like that they, even in the 90s, they didn't miss their mark at all. Or anything like that. Which also gives me high hopes for the third film. Then of course I also like the part where they actually meet death. And when they meet death they actually have to play a game of Twister. And a bunch of other games so they can go back uh, back into the mortal life. Because they actually go to hell and everything. Because of the fact that the other two Bill and Ted's are actually evil people from the future that are like them and everything so they wind up pushing them over a cliff then they go to hell and then they meet death and of course they're trying different ways to actually get back to where into the way of living so I actually like that whole entire aspect where they actually used a little bit of horror element and also used a little bit of dark humor and used some good comedy into this film and it actually works out pretty well. By the time this thing wraps up and everything, you're laughing, you're crying from laughing. You're you realize you re- actually realize this film actually has heart. And I really have to say, Bill and Ted is one of those movies that I really enjoy watching all the time whenever it comes on Direct TV, or if it's on Amazon sometimes, or if it's actually on Netflix. Bill and Ted, Excellent Adventure and Bogus Adventure are my two favorite films when it comes down to the franchise of Bill and Ted, I cannot wait to see Bill and Ted face the music, but we're just going to have to wait and see how that turns out. So now, with with no further to do, let's go ahead and talk about my second movie that's on my list, and that is Mission Impossible 2. I know a lot of people are going to say that movie sucked, but I don't care. I remember, you know, I remember in 8th grade when this movie came out. I remember the soundtrack. I had the soundtrack and everything. I remember Limp Biscuit being on there, Butthole Surfers, Sneaker Pimps. I remember all those songs being on the Mission Impossible soundtrack, and I remember just having that on repeat. You also had Rob Zombie on there. You had some other stuff that was on there that, that was really good for the soundtrack, and Ethan is actually trying to hunt down this virus before it's actually unleashed onto the earth, and then, of course, you also have a bunch of action sequences that actually happens in this thing. And yes, it is ridiculous on some of the stuff that John Woo has actually done with this uh, movie, but still it actually worked for its time whenever it came out. And I remember watching the film and just stuffing popcorn in my face and just enjoying the film for what it is. And, you know, I love the part with the motorcycle where, where Tom Cruise actually tips the motorcycle on the front and, and he kind of blocks the bullet i believe and that was actually a pretty cool part and also too he also takes it again and slaps someone upside the head with the uh tire of the motorcycle which i know is impossible no pun intended i know this is mission impossible but i know that it's also impossible for something like that to actually happen so you actually have to suspend disbelief when it comes down to that but this is actually a good, fun film movie that I really enjoyed with the second film because the first one was serious, don't get me wrong, and I enjoy the first film. But the second film to me was, is always going to be my favorite one because I remember my friends just geeking out over it, talking about our favorite scenes in high school and junior high and just having a good time just talking about this film. And also, too, I was also dating a girl at that time back when I was eighth grade and I remember us seeing that with her parents and they were just walked out of it enjoying the film and things like that, too. But, you know, it just brings back good memories of me just geeking out over this whole entire thing with my friends at a, a lunch table, just having a good time. So, if you're looking for a good time that is just a popcorn fill time, stuffing your face with popcorn just like you do with Fast and the Furious movies, Special Impossible 2 is your movie because this is beyond ridiculousness. So, check out that when you guys can. Then, there's also Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. I put a little bit of horror into my list because I want to actually mix things up a little bit. And also, too, when I was making this list, by the way, Brooker... This was probably the most challenging list that I've actually had to make when it comes down to making a top 5 or a top 10 list. Because of the fact each movie that I wanted to put in outshined one one another. And Nightmare on Elm Street is actually one of my favorite movies out of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchises. It just goes to show you the originality behind this whole entire franchise where you can actually take your dream and then change that dream. To where it can benefit you. To where you can actually take down Freddy Cougar. Even though Freddy Cougar is still going to try his his way to manipulate the dream. To try and kill you and everything. Not only that, but I thought the chemistry with the kids worked out really well. You actually feel scared for these kids. You want them to actually survive. They're actually the last remaining kids on Elm Street. And that's also another thing that's actually scary. Because Freddy's actually after them. And... The other scene that I remember is whenever Freddy actually takes the veins of this one kid, and he's sleepwalking, and he's balancing himself with his veins, and then all of a sudden, Freddy puts him on top of the roof, and he cuts his veins off, and basically he's using them as a puppet, so whenever he cuts his uh, veins, he actually falls to his death. I remember that scene, I remember the kids looking out the window, and seeing Freddy's face... And then also, too, the most catching line on the whole entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is, Welcome to prime time, bitch. And I loved that that part where, you know, the TV, this girl who wants to become famous and wants to become a soap opera actress and everything, winds up having some trouble with her TV. She bangs the TV a little bit, and she, all of a sudden the TV... Uh, comes to life, Freddy's head's on on top of the TV, his arms are actually the antennas, and then he kicks her, picks her up, and he says, welcome to prime time, bitch, and then all of a sudden just puts her head into the TV. And this franchise, this third film, is the most standout film of the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise. I'm not going to go into all the other characters' deaths or anything like that, if you guys haven't seen it, which I know probably most of you have, but this film is really good for what it is. It's real cheesy for the 1980s, of course, and stuff like that. I, I get it. And the effects don't really stand out as much, but the practical effects at that time was really good. It's really gory. It's really scary. It's one of those films that you can actually gravitate towards if you actually just want to have a good little cheesy night with your friends and just watch a horror film. Nightmare on Elm Street is going to be your best bet when it comes down to this, because you can't go wrong with Robert England playing Freddy Cougar, the most iconic horror villain of all time it, and everything. So check out Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Green Warriors. I think you guys are going to love that film. Matter of fact, Lawrence Fishburne himself is actually in this movie. He actually plays uh, the pe- the person that's actually taking care of the kids and everything, giving them medicine and things like that. He plays an orderly. So if you guys haven't checked it out, go on ahead, check that movie out. My next one, which is my number four, which is actually one of my favorite comic book movies of all time, is Christopher Nolan's Batman, The Dark Knight. And I remember whenever I first heard that you have an actor like Christian Bale being attached to this film for the second time. I was excited for that. I had my checkbox. I'm like, yes, this movie's going to be awesome and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, Heath Ledger pops up. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I remember him him 10 Things I Hate About You. I didn't... You know what? I was kind of lukewarm. I didn't know where to stand. There was no internet or anything like that. Well, yeah, there was internet at that time. But what I'm saying is I was not the type of person that I am today where I actually kept in touch with certain things that were going on within the entertainment industry or anything like that to where I'm like you know what I don't think he's a good fit for this role or anything like that I went in into this thing thinking that this is going to be his best role that he's ever played but another thing though too that I want to mention is this I remember going into the movie theaters and I saw this huge poster of Heath Ledger and his Joker make makeup. And he had his machine gun, he had the long trench coat, and of course he had his makeup on and everything. I'm like, yes, I love the look. It looks like The Crow, but mixed in with a little bit of DC stuff and things like that that we haven't seen before. I'm sold on the look of Heath Ledger. Now let me go on ahead and see how he does as the Joker whenever this film is actually released. And I love the dark knight the dark knight is one of my favorite films i still remember the joker actually coming going into this mob mobsters uh, basement or underground and he's trying to persuade them to actually kill the bat because of the fact that the batman doesn't have any jurisdiction or anything like that and then of course he takes a pencil he goes i'm gonna make this pencil disappear and then all of a sudden bam he sla- slams one of the gangsters' henchmen's head against the table, and all of a sudden the pen the pencil goes into the guy's head, and all of a sudden he electric goes, Ta da! I thought that was perfect. I thought he played a great Joker. You cannot get a performance like that again from any actor, for that matter, unless you count Walking Phoenix's Joker, which is also kind of like an Elseworld Joker as well. And I'm even going to say this is like an Elseworld kind of Batman as well. It works perfectly well for an Elseworld Batman that's also a part of realism. So this film actually does a fantastic job at knowing what it is. It knows its audience. It knows that this is a comic book-based movie. And also, too, I also like... You know what? I also like the other part. And I like how it, this part is actually smart. Where he's actually... where. Batman's actually using Solonar technology to actually track down the Joker, and of course, you know, there's that scene where you see all of a sudden it reminds me of Arkham, a solemn in a, in a sense because the fact all of a sudden you see Batman's eyes just go black and you see a bunch of computers behind the lenses and it all that reminds me of the of Batman Arkham so, uh, solemn so much, and I really appreciated that scene, and then also too. I love the whole entire thing where the Joker actually took Har- uh, took Rachel and took Harvey and trying to make Batman figure out where which one he needs to save more and everything. And his choice is he doesn't get tell him where which one is which. He just makes him make the choice, and then the choice is actually the wrong choice that Batman wanted. And of course, you know we all knew what happens after that. Rachel winds up dying, and then there's his whole entire character arc of him actually you know blaming himself for Rachel's death I love what Christopher Nolan did with that you cannot get oh yeah there's also one more thing I want to mention too was the uh, part with the hospital where he actually has the detonator button uh getting ready to make the building explode the Joker does and he can't get to work and matter of fact that's a little bit of improv because of the fact that the building was supposed to blow up, but it doesn't blow up until like a few minutes later. All of a sudden, the look on Heat Ledger's face and him just jumping up and down trying to make it work was just perfect. It was perfect execution from Heat Ledger. That would be something that The Joker would exactly do. This movie is perfectly well balanced, perfectly well executed. Christopher Nolan definitely did a good job with The Dark Knight whenever it came out in 2008. And as a matter of fact, I saw this movie twice in theaters. I geeked out over it twice. I don't care. This is actually one of my favorite movies of all time that Christopher Nolan's directed, aside from Inception, so you can't go wrong with this film, and then my last and final movie is is in the MCU, and I know that I just talked about a comic book movie, but that is none other than The Winter Soldier, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And what the Russo brothers have done with this is just phenomenal. We never got a spy kind of movie within the whole entire comic book realm or anything like that. We actually have Captain America, who's actually wanted. And then also, two. you have Bucky, who's actually... Um, Who's actually still alive after all this time and everything, and Captain and Cap is actually trying to make Bucky remember who he is. And there's a struggle within. There's a character arc. And then of course you also have Cap that actually goes into the where um where Hydra's at. That whole entire scene was really good. I really love that setup. Then of course you also have the whole scene with Crossbones and him inside the same elevator and then Cap winds up beating the heck out of them inside the inside the elevator as well you have a little reference to Doctor Strange this whole entire film is just really well done perfectly well executed perfectly well balanced and not only that but the Russo brothers knows what they're doing when it comes down to sharing the whole entire pressure of being on the set because here's the thing when one person is directing a movie they get a lot of pressure on them and so therefore it actually makes it 10 times harder on that person but since there's two people working on this film and they're both brothers, they're able to share this whole entire stress, this whole entire pressure that the studio actually has on them, so they for they can actually share that pressure and take take it off one another. So I thought that was actually a smart move on the MC on Marvel, Kevin Feige to go ahead and say, look, we're gonna put full trust in you on what you guys have to do. We're gonna go on ahead and let you guys be the directors and handle what you guys have to do. And I really enjoyed this film for what it is it also kind of reminds you of a splinter uh, cell type vibe to it as well and also to tom clancy kind of vibe which is also part of splinter cell but you know i really have to say that this film is probably this film is actually the best film out of the mcu aside from civil war but you know i really do appreciate what the Russo brothers have given us i think this is actually a good Film. so if you guys haven't seen any of these films I mentioned I strongly recommend that you guys actually check them out I am gonna try and do a revisit on most of these films so that way I can actually talk more in depth into what I want to do for movie reviews but th- these are the top five films that I enjoy Thank you brucker for actually challenging me to actually do my top five list which is actually hard to do and also too before I sign off on this thing I actually signed up for buy me a coffee.com if you do not know what buy me a coffee is, Buy Me A Coffee is actually this website where you can actually donate towards the show. And it actually just keeps the lights on, keeps everything flowing, gets me new equipment, gets me to where I can actually do some digital give-outs from videos and movies and stuff like that. So I strongly recommend that you guys actually um, do that if you guys can. If you can't, I totally understand and everything, and you don't have to do it if you don't want to. And another thing too is I do want to mention the fact that I do have a friend that is someone that if you're doing podcasting and you want the word to actually get out and have your numbers downloaded to the point where you can actually trust someone, I strongly recommend that you actually check him out. He's actually on Fiverr. He's actually at uh, Alexander650650. And this is what he actually does. He goes in and he has a and he does podcast cover art that would grab the attention of your audience and it's one of the biggest challenges in podcasting if you actually think about it and that's why he has a team providing professional and attractive cover art for your podcast it's actually something new that he's actually doing for cover art which i think is actually phenomenal and really good and in the premium package you're only get a HQ 3000 Pixel, professional premium cover art, but also you'll get social media kits, three banners, and three different social media platforms, uh, g- plus guest template ad- uh, additions for the guests to use in every episode. A 3D making mock-up presentation for using on social media, plus documentation about how to use the source. file so that you can get can edit everything you want to, and you, we will uh, give you unlimited Uh, revision facility so that you can ask for revision until you get satisfied so there's that so if you guys are actually wanting to actually get into podcasting and you're actually looking for somebody go in and check his fiverr out and again that is alexander650650 and he's just a great friend of mine i strongly recommend that you guys check him out and always until next time bye bye